Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to It Could Happen Here. We now continue our conversation with the team from Shift Change. Enjoy. Outside of the obvious, the union is doing landlordism for some reason part, which is just sort of, I, I can't get over it. Like, what? What do, you, what do you mean you have $44 billion? The thing you're doing is being a landlord. But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're, you know, like out of one side of their mouth saying this is a democratic union. The other side of their mouth, they're doing political purges. They're like doing everything possible to make sure people don't know how the like democratic process works, which I think is a, a pretty like basic precept of, of democracy is that if, if, if it's impossible to figure out how the system actually works, it's not, it's not, a, it's not actually a democracy in any real sense. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you know, yeah. And this is the thing you're saying is like, they, they seem, they, they, they seem to be acting like bosses, like they're firing people. They get nervous when people start organizing, which is not a, Thing that you would think a union would be ecstatic and it's like oh hey our nurses want to like organize themselves i don't know it's just i mean there's a there's a there's a mentality inside among some people and even among some of the nurses that like you know when people are causing problems or um you know it's the yeah it's it's a very it's a very perplexing situation to be in and um many of us it's taken us years to really figure it out because you don't we all come to work right to do our job you know i don't come to work to like figure out every like little nuanced thing about what's going on inside my union i didn't become a union nurse because i wanted to be like a hero union member i did it because it was down the street and it was a good job and like i wanted to be a nurse more than anything in the world. So, 
you know, this is, but this is what we do. And this is why things like labor notes and learning how your union works is really important. We've been self-educating ourselves. Like it's almost like you have to become a jailhouse lawyer, right? right. You get like a, yeah, we've been sharing our favorite resources for like, how do you learn about how a union works or what your rights are? And like, we're basically taking notes for what we're going to have to do when we, if we get in power inside the union to educate all the nurses in our, our union. One of the things a little, t- I mean, I, every time I, I talk with people about this, I try and give little tips and tricks. Don't leave your uh, staffer alone in a, at the negotiating table. They'll tell you, mm-hmm. oh, everything's going great. Go get, go get some dinner. And you come back and you can't do regressive bargaining. You can't unbargain a, a like a thing when someone's been empowered to decide something for you. And this is where, especially new, like new units in, um, hot in countries or parts of the country without strong union culture are finding that they'll step away from the bargaining table and they'll come back and they'll, all these decisions will be made that they don't have any, you can't go back on it. It's like literally no backsies in like in union negotiations. No. And so you yeah, have, there, to there's stay. no such thing as regressive bargaining. If yeah. I offer, if I say that, uh, I want a, uh, you know, you offer a 50% increase in, uh, uh, 50 cent an hour increase for, floating to another union a unit i can't turn around and you can't offer me 45 cents the next go round you cannot go back if you said 50% it has to be you know more than 50% on the next offer or you just say that's my final offer so you know the idea of regressive bargaining is um i have to tell you it's amazing is that when we negotiated against Sutter in 2011 through 2013, we had multiple cases of ULPs filed for regressive bargaining on their part. Um, They constantly uh, made these mistakes, which we as nurses and the labor reps caught. Uh, And now for us, it's so important that we don't regressive bargain, regressive bargaining on our own members here. We need to be moving forward. We should be making quantum leaps and bounds as nurses for what we've gone through. We're supposedly the most trusted profession in the country. I think it's for the past 20 years. The only time we have not been the most progressive uh, or the most respected profession was in 2001. And you can obviously (laughs) guess that it was firemen. It was firemen. Uh, but it's like 25 years or so in a row, we've been the most uh, trusted profession. It's because, you know, how can you not trust somebody who's cleaning you up when you soiled yourself in the bed, who's holding your hand when you're scared? Uh, that's why we're the most trusted profession. And we should be the most respected for what we do. Um it's just amazing that our union can't carry us through that. Our union was was formed in a revolution. We uh, and the, we overthrew and kicked out management nurses and formed the California Nurses Association. The the bargaining part of the organization, the association, broke away from the management part. And we, uh, Toral Durdal is a wonderful example of somebody who was part of that revolution. 
And for about 20 some, over 20 some years, we were a rapidly progressive union. Uh, we didn't have all the rank and file things that we should have had in the union, but it was in the right direction for nurses. And we've kind of made in the past 10 years this U-turn and the association, which I think is bad for nurses. We need to be going forward. Um, and we have new nurses and new, new, a new generation that is joining the union, and they need to be a part of it. And they they can't look at me and say that that old fogey that's you know been in the union for thirty some years, uh, you know that I'll I'll be doing the work for them. They need to be active in that union, and they need to love the idea of solidarity. Uh, you know, out of the fires of desperation, burn hope and solidarity. It was one of the ladies said, um, uh, I think Sharon uh, Burrow from Australia, an Australian labor activist, said that. You, we need to have every union member. I don't think every one of them has to be rabid about it, but they should be aware that they need to stand tall and support each other. And not just even they need to support the non-union nurses. They need to get we need to get more nurses unionized. The, the problem with with uh, unions is there's not enough uh, unions out there. There's not enough people in the unions. We need to get more nurses uh, unionized, and our union hasn't been able to do that in quite a while. We haven't. Uh, we we've been raiding a lot of other unions, but we need to get out there uh, and get people in the South unionized. We need to get other uh, nurses and you know in the Midwest organized that aren't unionized yet. Uh, we we have a bigger vision as bedside nurses, and I think that our our, our national union has. Uh, I, I'm only as strong as the person next to me. I, I need support. As John said, yeah, we're, we're four people running for the council of presidents, but behind us, there's, there's so many nurses supporting us. Uh, nurses are texting me all the time. Uh, hey, give me some pliers, give me some buttons. I want to pass them out. Um, it's it's important for us. I know we're we're at a disadvantage. We we don't have uh, you know the the people we're running against, even though it's illegal for them to have the union promote them. <laughs> they're obviously going to have that advantage, like a sitting mm -hmm. president, because yes. they're going to be in the National Nurse Magazine, going around the country, you know, doing the things they do as as sitting presidents. So they're going to get that free publicity. Uh, I wish our just, union uh, presidents went around the country because as far as I know, they've never come here to Chicago. <laughs> what? Yeah, I think the only time we've been to Chicago is when we had that people power uh, convention there. And uh, that was my first visit back to Chicago in, I think, 10 years was when I went there. Um, and it it's amazing. It should be – our union should rotate – rotate where they have their uh their their conventions they should we should be all around the country we should be going to the south and having conventions so that we can attract people um yeah i, I think it's important we we need to make inroads um you know i know a lot of it is they're going to say the pandemic and i think the pandemic did hasten this siloing um 
And, you know, some of it was a little understandable, but even when it was evident that they should have come out of the borough, they never did. People have been saying how tired they are from the pandemic, right? Like I don't know how they could have been tired. The union could have been tired when they were just having Zoom calls. No, no. I mean, the, the, the nurses are saying that they're tired. Like, but here's what's interesting. This is a thing that I'm seeing in real time as we're doing this work is that nurses who have been exhausted and some of the most beat down, like like nurses who are like in the worst uh, situations um, here in Chicago are tired, but then they hear something interesting is going on with the union that is actually something that they have a say in, which is very unusual in our union. And people get very excited. So I'm having coworkers coming up to me who are the the least interested in union business until maybe it's time for a strike. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because like when we did our strike uh, organizing 2019, the first strike in Chicago's uh, of nurses in like 40 years in, uh, in Chicago, you know, they kept, they would call these small kind of symbolic actions and they call them stress tests or structure tests. Uh, for like, you know, we're going to do a, we're going to do a press conference and you'd have like, you know, a handful of nurses come out for the press conference, you know, like 10 or 15 nurses would come out and they're like, oh, they're all wringing their hands. And then we start start calling pickets and then we start blowing past our turnout numbers. And then when we did our strike, uh, they were expecting 800 nurses or 12, 1400 nurses more nurses than had ever been in any one place in our hospital like it was like a giant party <laughs> so it's kind of like when people have know that there's something that really has like they have a stake in right there's an infinite amount of energy almost um and this election is really kind of like we can't make the buttons fast enough to give away <laughs> like they keep people keep coming up and they're like here give me a handful i've got coworkers and we're doing there's the you know let's get the pictures of everyone with their nurse with their uh with their shift change buttons vote shift change uh and you know we're turning that stuff into we're getting ramped up and prepared for like our social media like uh outreach and this is part of it is like getting people to see like hey there are people out there who want to do something different and it put you like as a, as a bedside nurse, this is our opportunity to get you into the driver's seat of how your union is run, how strikes are called, how we negotiate. Like we want to have a council of hospitals in contract campaigns. It's just nurses from negotiating teams um, so that they can all, uh, so we can coordinate and decide when we want to go on strike. And it's not someone who's never been a nurse um, making that call for us. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah, which seems just baffling that you'd have some random person who hasn't been a nurse making strike decisions. I mean, the fact that it's not also just... There seems like there's such an enormous gap between the things you would just basically fundamentally expect a union to be doing and what's actually happening, which has nothing to do with that. And it's just the sort of, I mean, almost just seems like like intentional demobilization. Well, they want to treat us like a spigot, like they yeah. want to treat, uh, like you can turn us on and turn us off. You know, the problem is, is that people don't respond to that well. And you kind of constantly have to be honing your practice um, through defending the contract which is a big thing that like a lot of my, my coworkers are just constantly annoyed at that the contract we're not defending. Mm-hmm. Our chief nurse rep is always annoyed that she can only, you know, scrape together, you know, like four or five people. And, you know, I do it. And I'm not like, uh, I'm really good when I'm in the room with, you know, I've, I've, my coworkers think that I do a good job, but you know, when it comes time to like doing all of the reading and everything to make sure it's done. I need, you know, it's a thing that I'm always working on and trying to get better at. Um, but you know, the, that is kind of the lifeblood of trade unionism is like, if you're going to have a contract, you need to in between uh, contract bargaining campaigns where you can go on strike, you need to be constantly probing and pushing um, and finding where the weak spots are and keeping people in the practice of like fighting um, and if you do that and you're really effective at it, you can affect some pretty Im- impressive changes in between contracts. Um, when our friend was, uh, was the labor rep at, uh, Cook County, they went from having maybe like 10 people doing like the, the rep work to over 60 people doing the rep work. She partnered with a really phenomenal, um, chief nurse rep who had a family, uh, her dad had been, you know, president of a SEIU local. Um, and they were 
they had pushed so hard that they were able able to re to open negotiations for attention bonuses, which after you've settled a contract is like to open something on economics, like on the order of, you know, 15, 20, uh, 15 or $10,000 retention bonuses wow. is a huge deal. Yeah. The problem was, is that the, then they fired her when she connected us uh, at Cook County or the nurses at Cook County with nurses at University of Chicago. And uh, we started comparing notes with what our staff were like. And we, and their chief nurse reps started asking the uh, director of bargaining, who's not a nurse and has never been a nurse, to say, why is it that we are bringing in, why is my facility bringing in $4 million worth of dues? And we get like, you know, $220,000 worth maybe of staff. Like what's the deal? And why mm -hmm. is it that we don't spend any money on arbitration or any of this stuff? We're constantly afraid of doing anything. And that's when they fired Natalie. And then, and now they're down to, they're trying to whittle those, uh, those nurses uh, retention bonus negotiations down to like 3000, 4,000 bucks from like 15,000. You know, you bring in the right people and all of a sudden, management has to like hire in like um an entire legal extra legal department at cook county health services it's so. not it's not that somebody is not a, a nurse that doesn't matter natalie was not a nurse yet she was an outstanding example of what a labor rep should be an organizer uh, uh, yeah i mean she you stand with the workers uh I just I do believe that we need more nurses involved in uh, in in organizing and inside the union. But I have no issues with, you know, w w when you have labor reps like Natalie, that's that's what you need to keep the union thriving. And unfortunately, to cut her down when she was making inroads to really empower nurses and the union was it's just beyond the pale to make that decision. Why they made that decision is something that I think if we won the presidency, we'd want to find out. Why was that decision made? Because yeah, a big that, part of this is holding yeah. the holding the staff accountable is our big thing. Like we just need to know at right now there's no accountability to so imagine having a job where like if you were a nurse like if we're speaking to our coworkers right now imagine being a nurse and no one ever checking your charting no one ever checking what a patient has to say about the care they got um no one asking a doctor like what you did during a shift right um no one checking your like to see if like all of your vital signs are actually really reflected in like the monitor that's the situation where we're dealing with staff right now. No one who's outside of their staff bosses at the director level has there's they're only accountable to those people and they are only accountable and, and they're not actually accountable. They just write like they they write everything themselves. They write their own reports. They get they, you know, they'll take, you know, a nurse will come up with a good idea, they'll run it up the flagpole, check out this awesome idea I have boss. <laughs> i mean it sounds like a downer i guess is like uh it, it all sounds very like this is all grim and like depressing but the fact is is that we are at a point now where we see what's going on and what we need to do we've been educating ourselves about what can be done to change the union because the union is a democratic structure mm -hmm. even in like just the shell form of it 
And uh, as nurses, we've got a lot of faith that as nurses, we can figure this out and come up with a much better, more democratic um, way to run our union. And I think that it'll fundamentally be a much stronger organization. I think that's the fear is that somehow we like, you know, some people are like, oh, you're, you're going to make it worse. And it's like, I don't know that you could make it worse. It's like, um, you know, there's the healthcare industry is changing. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing this in real time as the healthcare industry is changing. And we are seeing um, to the, you know, you have hospitals that come up with the most cutting edge version of healthcare, like the University of Chicago or the university systems out in California, or maybe like Stanford. That's like the very, like the top end of like what healthcare is. And those hospitals are like, basically there might as well be gold mines. Um, And then you've got the safety net hospitals. And my fear is that the safety net hospitals, uh, they would like to casualize to uh, Uber. They keep telling us about, oh, they're going to Uberize nursing. Well, you know, what is it that they're doing to stop, you know, over half of the nurses being at Cook County Health Service from being replaced with agency nurses right now? Mm -hmm. Like, how long is that going to go until there's like, you know, they go from a bargaining unit of, you know, over 1500 nurses in the union or 1700 nurses in a union to like, you know, it could theoretically drop down to, you know, a handful of union nurses. Um, and so they've like, they've, it's like an unofficial layoff, right? People quit and they institute a hiring freeze and then they don't replace them. They bring them in as agency nurses because they would rather in these safety net institutions, not pay benefits, not pay pensions. You know, our hospital, we lost, they took our pension away and the union didn't do anything to fight that back. I was in the the pension plan for like two years. And then they were like, guess what? No more pensions. <laughs> and the union didn't do shit about what? it. And they could have done something. I mean, it was like, uh, it's because the contract language was like, well, you get whatever we offer you. And our Teamsters uh, at our facility took like a very, like a hundred yeah, two to four hundred dollar buyout to get rid of their pensions, and what? that was the end of our pensions for the entire uh, medical center. Um, and then the our union, where our staffers are all bought into the steelworkers pension, right? They have a pension. They're like, well, John, maybe you'd have to strike six or eight times, which is what they say whenever they don't want to do anything. And they certainly aren't telling us about uh, hospitals like the folks at Alta Bates who are struck like ten times to get what it takes and it's just like you know striking i think there's this idea that it's scary i have coworkers who are telling me john just tell me when the next strike is i can't wait for the next strike um but we've been through it we have a lot of coworkers who haven't oh, half of our nurses are new mm-hmm. they've never been through a strike but you know you build a union through strikes which is the thing yeah. that some is a little counterintuitive especially if you do it the right way and you're strategic about it Reina, you've been real quiet like what do you think about all this that's really the well, number one, I'm a lady and I don't interject unless I absolutely have to. So to go back earlier, what, uh, what was said about how unique our slate is, well, it's unique in itself for one, of course, I kind of sit with being a female and minority, but you also got to think about the men. Now, There is not a lot of men in nursing in general. And I think that's what also they need to look at. Because I I heard the criticism about that. But let's flip the script on this. I mean, 
We individually, as Eric and John did say before, that we were not here to be a council of presidents on there. We was actually <laughs> jumping on it to help other people. But for, you know, I, myself and Eric, we've been knowing each other for, what, seven, six, seven years? Yeah, something like that. And That's about right. Yeah. And, you know, I have seen the changes with the union. I feel that the union has been really stagnant. I think our dues should be used for community. And now during the pandemic, there is a lot of nurses are totally burnt out. And they're slowly to realize that nursing is not what I thought. I did not sign for for this pandemic. I never, I've been a nurse for 13 years. I never knew that was, never thought it was going to be a pandemic like this. So it changed your whole spectrum of what nursing stands and also what we should do to preserve it. Now, I, you know, I look young, but I am a grandma about to be a four. And so one of them are going to be a nurse one day. And actually one of them is a 10 year old. And he told me, he said, oh, you know, looking at all my nursing books and looking at, you know, all my medical stuff. And he just looked at me, he said, you know what? I may want to be a nurse. Now, mind you, two years ago, he wanted to be a race car driver. So <laughs> it happened. So it it kind of inspired me a little bit like I need to do more leadership. Um, I mean, I think I'm a natural leader in itself. It's just how to do it, where to go. And this is just a step for me. I'm at that age. You know, I need to look behind me of all the younger nurses my family and what my young grandchildren, what they may be. And I want to preserve that. And that's a third reason why I'm standing to do this. So, and my peers, I mean, you work, any nurse work eight to 12 hours. The facility that you work with is almost a second home to you. So you want to stand up with your peers. You know, there shouldn't be no divide. We're all standing for an employer who has been trying to take benefits away, trying to take, you know, anything that makes it decent for you to just work and also is wearing and tearing on your your wellness and your work-life balance and just your whole mental state. So it's, it's so important to really know about your union, about the uh, breakdown of it, about the history, about everything you need to keep your employer accountable. And also within the union, just like nurses have to be accountable for everything we do. And if we get in trouble, of course, we're going to be reprimanded. The union needs to also go through the same thing as we do. It's only fair. So that's pretty much it for me. Any other questions? I got You're reading, uh, are you, ha- have you finished up your copy of uh, Solidarity Unionism yet, uh, Reina? Oh, you mean the rank and file? I am on chapter three. It's been on. It's been interesting. And since I will be going on vacation, well, I am on vacation right now. I'll be leaving tomorrow. I should be finishing up with that book by then. That's a that's one thing that like I don't want anyone to think just because I can speak about the union um, in a halfway intelligible way that I've been studying this for a long time. A lot of my knowledge about the union is pretty new and recent, and uh, like I got. Um, you know, I picked up a copy of uh, Stoughton Lynn's The Rank and File, uh, Labor Law for the Rank and Filer, 
Uh, there's an audio book of it. It's just this great, like short little book about everything you need to know to kind of like exercise your rights and try and stay out of like uh, trouble. Um, I picked up a copy of, uh, you know, uh, Jamie Cavalry's No Shortcuts. Uh, we've been passing around a copy of Stoughton Lynn's uh, Solidary Unionism. Um, and like, there's a lot. And then we went to labor notes and like, it's funny because our union sent us to labor notes. Like <laughs> I've got pictures of me and like uh, other shift change uh, people that uh, were taken by staff that we were at the labor notes conference. The, the funny thing was, is that I was in the, the talks about how to build a caucus and how to uh, exercise our democratic rights. I was one of the few, the only nurses in some of those uh, spaces. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they expected to happen, but the way they're treating this whole thing, every little thing that we've gotten, the fact that we can send, that we we're about to be able to send emails out was the thing that we had to fight for every step of the way. They gave us a set of rules that the rules were the most conservative interpretation of our legal democratic rights that are set in federal law. They gave us like the 1950s, like Carpenter's Union interpretation of like those those rights mm. uh they ignored all the case law that we have to be able to communicate with our coworkers through normal union channel like every communication method our union uses to normally communicate with us legally we should have access to mm. now they're trying to throttle that it's like oh you can only send an email communication every 15 days it's like you know what like you're doing your little whisper campaign like 24 hours uh 24 7 just by and then you have to opt in to ed, like to uh, communication about the uh, about the election. Like they mm. they were trying to keep and they're cutting meetings short. They're cutting meetings off. They were trying to bury this. Now we think that they're they're trying to shift gears because they know that this is a lot more serious um, than uh, than they thought it was. You know, we're not here to you know turn the union upside. Like, well, maybe turn the union upside down is a good way to think of it, but in a good productive way, not in a you know, turn it upside down and shake it, you know, to like, you know, destroy it. We want to turn it upside down so that it's the way a, a real union is supposed to be. Is it people who are elected into leadership are accountable to the people who elect them? And, um, and our goal is to, you know, to make the union, like, we want to go from something like, you know, Chicago Teachers Union, which is really powerful and uh, famously like democratic, uh, wasn't always that way. It was only focused on very basic stuff, uh, you know, before um, the women in uh, the Chicago Teachers Union took it over and changed it for the better. Um, you know, that's our goal is we want our union to be to have that internal vibrant discussion and debate about how the union should be work uh, should work, because we know that as nurses that we've got the skills and the capacity to have an impact on that. Those are said. We don't think that uh, people who are paid out of our dues should ever be afraid when a nurse opens their mouth and says, I think things could be better, or I don't like how this is happening. Yeah. And I, I think, I think one more thing I do kind of want to add is that, you know, you were talking a bit earlier about sort of the risk of stagnation. And I mean, I, th I think something that people don't want to hear is that like, you know, there, there, there's been a wave of militancy in the last few years, but the actual union, like the actual unionization rate of the U.S. keeps going down. And I think a big part of that is, you know, like even 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 in the periods when unions are really strong, they got into these sort of bureaucratic patterns where people were busy sort of fighting their own internal 
like like busy fighting their own rank and file. And then when the bosses came for them, they got destroyed. And I don't know, like it, it, it really seems like a moment where either unions are going to, you know, people like you are going to win and you get these rank and file movements that are changing what the union is to be what it's supposed to be, or the last remnants of unionism is going to die. And that's, I don't know, like, I mean, it's depressing, but the, like, if, if, you, if you just look at the unionization rate chart, it just keeps going down and down and down. And every time it seems like it's hit a new low, it's like it, it finds another way to go out, which I guess is kind of a grim way to look at it. But I don't know. I, think I mean, it is very here. positive to think about how um, how there's organizing that's difficult. It's hard to get people to do some things, right? Um, it's difficult to pull people together for, you know, um, certain types of uh, organizing when they don't feel like they have a say or a stake in what's going on. But I will say that, like, it has been, it is always op- eye-opening when I watch my coworkers pull together in this thing. And I think that there's that common experience at work, and especially care workers right now, that is, like, um, that is driving us to do different things. There's a reason why we're having a rank and file movement in our union now, and things aren't just continue like continuing to stagnate. I think that people recognize that their union has to be fighting for them. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. People want the union to fight, um, not to just kind of like sit there. And you know, you know, people get really frustrated when they feel like their dues are being taken and they're not seeing that immediate benefit. Um, the immediate benefit only comes when we pull together and we fight back. Um, so I think that I totally see what you're saying. I think a lot of that comes down to people who get into these positions. And this is why we believe in the principle of like rotation and like, uh, and churning over the leadership, uh, as much as possible is, um, that I think when you stay in a, no one should be in a position of order, organize yourself out of a job, right? Yeah. If you're doing your your if you're being effective, you're organizing yourself out of a job. And I have organized out of myself out of some jobs and right now I've organized myself out of telling people that there's a movement and that we've got to participate in it and now I'm moving on to other things because I have like a whole crew of people in my hospital who are doing that organizing work without me having to do it. So I think that there's like it's can be a little depressing when you look at like the raw numbers. But I think that a lot of that is like, it's like if you, if your union is clearly not great and people kind of complain about it, then yeah, no one's going to want to join it. Like if your union thinks it's more important to be a landlord or, you know, stash $42 million in the bank than it is to invest that money in actually building organizational expertise or, you know, building, organizing the unorganized, like Eric was saying in places that are like right to work states, which we've won. We have won contracts in right right to work states. But you have to be looking, you have to be constantly pushing for it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't just take a little win here or there and then be excited because you just got another union to affiliate you like our union does. Like we need to be working on actually bringing more and more workers into our union. And um, if we don't do that, it will die. But um, I think that there's a spirit in the, you know, that, you know, when you come to a place to work with coworkers and you face common enemy and common problems, common conditions, you do see what it can look like when people decide to do something on their own. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know, to, to get back to Mia's point uh, about declining unionism in this country, in order to, you know, to change this decline in unionism, we need to change who we are as union members. We need to, you know, that I'm not a big Dr. Phil fan, but he used to say that thing all the time, um, well, how's that working for you? Unions need to take a look at themselves and say, <laughs> how, how, how is this working for you? We, we are declining. Why do we continue to do the same thing we're doing over and over again? We need to change who we are. For example, as a nurse, a nurse needs to know when they stand up and speak out that when they stand up, they won't be standing alone that there'll be somebody around them, that other nurses are going to be there right behind them, backing them up. And it, that goes for any trade. You know, we, we can't progress as workers without struggle, and there will be struggle. We need to march forward. We need to be able to say uh, everybody that can be in a union should be in a union. And we need to expand ourselves as nurses. I mean, I don't want to harp on it, but 
this pandemic was devastating for us. I mean, obviously, no nurses worked remotely. Uh, no, I should say, no bedside nurse worked remotely. I know many of our nurse managers worked remotely and checked in on us through uh, you know online things. But for the most part, every nurse, bedside nurse, was at that bedside. It it was not uh, it was not pleasant. It was it was something that I'm sure um, many nurses are probably in uh, you know counseling for. Uh, they were that traumatized by it. Uh, they had, many people had lost family members, uh, just like the rest of the public did, and yet they still had to continue to work. Um, I think as a as a union, we need to change who we are. Um, and like I said, I don't want to point fingers or anything at you know people that are in the union now or the people we're running against. I'm sure they're good people, but we have a different idea and we want to bring a change to how the union runs. And I think that change will make us a stronger and better union. And I think we'll be we'll have happier nurses and we'll end up with more activist nurses who will expand the union. It's, it's going to be a word of mouth. Um, you know, one thing you, you can have the best organization in the world, but the things that are the best product, but what really makes your product worthwhile is word of mouth campaigns. People have to talk about you. People have to say, Hey, you know, that, California Nurses Association, that NNU, they're really doing something. I want to be a part of that. Uh, it, you know, we need to, you know, we, we've been pressing on a Medicare for all, single payer, and, and, and of course, ratios for everybody. But we need to start organizing more in all those states where those workers suffer. Because I can tell you this right now, uh, you know, I never talked about it with John. Our hospital is filled with nurses from the South. Well, and they, they tell you, oh, I, I came to California for the ratios. Well, they need to fight for those ratios back in Alabama and Mississippi and all the states they come from. We need to help them, you know, bring unions to the South. You know, the basic core of right to, uh, of right to work it was racism. Uh, the racism is what drove right to work. It was the same people that brought you segregation is what brought you right to work. And, uh, you know, that's a fact. Uh, and it's important for us that, uh, you know, we, we want to be an activist union, and I, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, but we can do that by unionizing these hospitals and making those nurses' bedside lives a lot better. Um, you know, uh, Stoughton Lynn, it's funny, is that I always laugh, you know, John brings it up. I'm from originally from Canton, Ohio. And of course, Stoughton Lynn taught, I believe it was at Youngstown State. He was from, he was, he spent the last part of his life after his Vietnam War activism in Youngstown, in the Youngstown area. And of, I think the last book I read by him was Wobblies and uh, Zapatistas. You know, he was Great talking book. about the, it's a great book. Um, and not many people know about him. I knew about him in Ohio because, you know, uh, uh, you know, social justice work there, uh, uh, you know, uh, at Wal Walsh, at that time it was Walsh College and then Walsh University now. 
uh, you know, Joe Torma, uh, the professor there, uh, you know, was often talk about uh, Staunton Lynn, and that's how I, you know, started reading a lot of his works. Um, the things that he says about rank and file workers is something that we need to make part of the national conversation. And we need to uh, get that message out. We need to, to, to tone down the big union actions and the big union talk. And let's just make it a nurse's conversation. We always talk about our union, about nurses' values. Nurses' valuables, values are invaluable. Uh, they, they apply to, to every walk of life, every trade. And I think that's what we need to do. And uh, I know that's what Mark would say if he was on the call with us. Uh, I just got a text from him. He's almost finished with our video. <laughs> so uh, he's working hard. I mean, the guy took two weeks of his own time. And, and that's another thing. Here we are. We are bedside nurses. He, he had to self-teach himself how to make pretty high-end quality videos. And we, we, we're not bought and sold. We don't hire anybody to do our work for us. We, we, we're doing this ourselves. We're bootstrapping it as, you know, what they call bootstrapping it uh, yourself up here. We, we are bootstrapping uh, a campaign and a movement. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to win. Uh, we, 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 we are at least going to make a hell of an impression on people. Um, and I hope whether we win or lose, uh, that impression goes far. And that uh, people listen to what we're saying and demand what we're standing for, what we want our union to be. We don't want to have an SEIU-like union. We don't want to, uh, like we're paying for services here. We want a union that listens to us and does what we want. Um, a, a nurse shouldn't have to beg a labor rep. Uh, to say no, we said no to a last, best, and final. And our labor reps said no. This, is, in our professional opinion, this is a good deal. Well, right. guess what? Guess what, Mia? We got ten percent more by saying Hell no. Yeah. And uh, I know that I know that more. sounds that sounds greedy, but in reality, um, you know, we do get paid uh, considerably more in California than than in other places in the country, but. Also, to buy a house in a bad neighborhood is a million and a half dollars. Correct. So it's so it's. I have so, to drive an hour away just to get to work. God. It is cheaper where I live right now than it is in the Bay Area. I could not get a house in the Bay Area at all. And we should be incorporating housing demands into our uh, negotiations mm -hmm. as well. Like, well, especially if you going to be a landlord. Like, <laughs> come on. Well, okay. How about we, you know, uh, the first public housing was really cooperative housing built by unions. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason why, um, you know, these, some of these institutions are in, in like incredibly wealthy and building, uh, you know, if we can, we have the kind of power to bring them to, you know, a screeching halt. We should be able to like, you know, get the kind of um, things that we need to live by in our community. Like we should be living where our patients are anyway. And it's, uh, you know, and it's a, a way of bringing our uh, bringing us ourselves into our community so that our community is, you know, that we're part of our community. Um, and, you know, I think we're, 
I'm just going to say, I'm going to be uh, waking up in six hours so that I can go back to work. Um, and we want to make sure that people know a couple of key things. So uh, there is an election happening. If you are a nurse in a, a CNA, uh, California Nurses Association, or National Nurses United, and an OC like hospital, there is an election happening. Ballots are being mailed out to you um, on uh on April 10th, April 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect that they're going to start arriving a day or two after that. Um, we are the shift change slate. So the, the four of us are running for the council of presidents. Uh, it's Eric, Raina, John, and uh, Mark. And uh, if you want to find us on social media, we just got our, uh, our Instagram account. We are called shift change and a new we're on TikTok Now we're going to be releasing some videos uh, shift change NNU. And then we're also going to have, um, we've got our YouTube and, uh, Facebook set up as well. Look for us there. And we've got to go fund me because we've got to buy the materials that we are uh, using to help organize with. Thankfully by the sounds of it, our lawyers are going to be, uh, working for us for, um, because, uh, they believe in what we're doing. And these are movement lawyers. These are not right wing People who want to uh, fight unions, they want unions to be, uh, you know, accountable to the workers and to be strong fighting unions. And that's our main goal is I, we think that our union could be one of the most powerful unions in the country if we organize and fight um, and we organize by building our relationships, uh, on trust and solidarity by constantly uh, working to defend our contract. And we think that as we build that energy, we can take that to all the other things that we think are important as nurses. So when we talk about nurses values, we know those are actually nurses values and not some person who decided that they're going to tag along with us and ride on our coattails to, you know, whatever political um, future that they think they have. Uh, You know, we are, you know, this is our union and we're going to uh, make it, you know, accountable to us so that we can change the world and change our workplace and make, you know, being a nurse, one of those kind of jobs that people aspire to and not something that they come into for two or three years and then leave because it's so terrible. So I don't know what else to say. I'm ready for shift change. Raina, you ready for shift change? Yep. And just like Nelson Mandela say. I never lose. I either win or I learn. Hell yes. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love this. This is the stuff I live for. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mia. Thank you. Thank you all for being on. This was great. And I really hope you all win. And and, yeah, uh, and if we win, bring bring us back. We'll, yeah, we'll I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, give us a report back. We'll tell you. We'll tell you everything that happened. And maybe if we win, we'll have a, a nice victory party. And maybe we'll uh, ha- let you uh, come out. You and uh, the rest of the it could happen here crew. Maybe do some live stuff for us because I think yeah, nurses be would get a kick out of that. Every time I hear a nurse say that I listen to it could happen here, uh, a part <laughs> of me just like does a little Snoopy happy dance. <laughs> It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.